Welcome to the Strife Podcast. This podcast where we talk about all things competition, whether it be sports, reality shows, fighting with your little brother for the remote. Every competition gets talked about here on the Strife. I am your host, Kevin, and I'm here once again with CJ. CJ, how are you doing today, man? I'm having a fantastic day. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm excited to talk about sports and especially the Thursday night game. The Bengals played the Browns. We had another good Thursday night game. Surprising. Did not expect that to be a good game. Who would have thought the Battle of Ohio would be entertaining? Right. And it was. It was, very, it was highly entertaining. Watching Baker and Joe Burrow go back and forth, I was surprised. I was, Shocked. I was surprised at how good the talent was, especially after watching the Browns get manhandled by the Ravens the week before. I was impressed. I was impressed to say the least. Very impressed. And what I will say, of all the things that impressed me last night, the most impressive thing I saw was that Randy Bullock was out there kicking for the Bengals after that acting job <laughs> from missing the field goal week one against the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. I, I was surprised that the kickers, both kickers were the same. I want to get into the game, but I want to start with talking about Joe Burrow. First overall pick, Joe Burrow? Yeah, that Joe Burrow. I thought he was good in week one against the Chargers. I thought he was even better in this loss against the Browns. I thought he looked good, but like when I look at the box score, what the box score says and what he did last night tell two different stories. He threw for 316 yards and three touchdowns. But it took him 61 <laughs> throws to get there. He still threw for that many that many bad yards. I'm not complaining. Like, when I was watching the game last night, I was like, man, they're throwing a lot. And then I look at the box score. They he threw, threw a lot 61 lot. times. He threw a lot, a lot. I mean, like, Troy Aikman was calling the game with Joe Buck. He said the most he ever threw in a game was 56. And Joe threw 61. Yeah. And it's not even that weird in today's NFL. No, it's not. He still got to 300 yards, three touchdowns passing. He still also was able to run uh, seven times for 19 yards, which was. But those were more runs for his life, not designed runs. Right. He had one design run. It was a, it was a draw. He had a draw play later on in the game towards the end. I do remember seeing that. Yes. I thought Joe looked okay though. Like the the passes that were not it did none of the passes looked bad. No, he made good decisions. He moved the ball. Like he was very much a proponent of moving the chains. It looked like when he was at LSU, mm-hmm. but he's still adjusting to the NFL speed. Like looking at the box score, it felt like all he did was throw to AJ Green. The box score backs that up because he had 13 targets. Yeah. But then I look at AJ Green, he was three for twenty nine, and I'm like, I felt like he did more. So AJ Green He's back in the NFL after missing basically the last two years right? with injuries. A.J. Green got thrown to 13 times but only caught three passes. And it didn't feel like that. Right. But what does that say about A.J. Green, though? I don't know how much of that was on A.J. Green and how much on that was the Browns applying consistent pressure to Joe Burrow. Okay. Because you had uh, – before Adrian Claiborne got hurt in the first half – they were killing that line. Mm-hmm. And, like, you really saw it on the Miles Garrett strip sack. Like, both both sides of the line ran a stunt. Miles Garrett just got in between the two linemen, the guard and the tackle, and stripped him. Right. And then, I forget who else was there, but he dove on the ball. They got the ball at the half-yard line. 
Like, that was an easy six points after that. But the Browns' line is going to be good. Their defensive line will be good because Miles Garrett, if he doesn't hit anybody else in the head with the helmet, is a defensive player of the year candidate. Right. Like, he is very good at football. And the other guys will thrive off of the attention that he gets. What I think happened last night is the Browns got up early. They were able to apply that pass rush. And Joe Burrow looked good despite the fact he was under constant pressure. And in the second half, you really saw them switch to a short passing game of we just got to get the ball out so Burrow doesn't get killed. Right. And that's why he had 61 passes. And I say only, but he only threw for 316 yards. Well, another thing was that the run game seemed ineffective for the Bengals. Joe Mixon had 16 carries but only got 46 yards. There was nowhere to go. He couldn't find. He couldn't seem to find the hole to bust one open when I was watching the run game. So you had to pass the ball. Because the game was, though the final score was 35-30, I felt like the game was decently – Close. They weren't. It wasn't out of reach. They were within two scores most of the game. Right, and getting that field goal right before halftime kept them in the game. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the Browns came out, marched down the field, score touchdown right after half. Right. But they were playing catch up the entire second half, so they threw a lot of passes to catch up. That's all it was. And like that last drive of the game to help them cover the spread. I think they ran, what, 15, 16 plays? Yeah. All passing 16, plays. 16, 17 plays, yeah, yeah, all passing plays. And the fact they were picking up fourth downs like it was nothing was crazy to me. Right. The Browns made them work for it, but the Bengals were able to move the ball. I don't think that's going to be an issue all season. Like I think their offense will be middle of the road, but their defense is bad. Well, I want to not take any credit away from the Brownies, all right? I, I have a lot of friends – that are from Ohio, and all of them seem to be Browns fans. So I like to text them when the Browns are not doing well. So they usually get a text from me every week talking about how terrible the Browns looked that week. I did not text anyone yesterday because Baker looked okay, but those running backs looked great. So Joe, or not Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb killed it. Mm-hmm. Like, Last week, everybody was ready to uh, throw a funeral on Nick Chubb's fantasy prospects. Right, because Kareem Hunt looked like he was going to be the guy last week. They had equal carries on Sunday. So I think what that was is they were down big early. Right. Like, they went for it on fourth early in the game, didn't get it. They were down two touchdowns, and they scrapped the game plan. Mm -hmm. So the carries ended up being the same. What we saw last night is – what I think the Browns' ideal offense looks like, which is you don't make Baker do too much. Nick Chubb is going to carry it a majority of the time. Kareem Hunt's going to get some carries. He's going to get all of the passing down work. Right. And they're going to grind out wins by being a balanced offense. And you saw it last night when you got Chubb go 22 carries for 124 yards. You had Hunt do another 10 for 86. They ran the ball 35 times. They threw the ball 23 times. Right. Baker had two touchdowns. He threw a bad pick, but we'll ignore that. I mean, the Baker being Baker. You know? it was, yeah, he tried to make something out of nothing. Didn't work. Like, if you really want to get into it, he threw in the cover two. The safety was staring at his eyes as he stared down the receiver the whole time. He jumped the route. He got the pick. It is what it is. But I don't think they trust Baker that much. I don't think they do. I don't think they do either. The thing that I just thought about is that you talked about 
them staring down his eyes. Joe Burrow doesn't look off any receivers. I mean, he was looking at AJ Green all night. He just looks at him and then throws it to him. Looks at him, throws it to him. The thing is, is if you do that, but you're throwing a bunch of short passes, it's not going to kill you in the same way that if you're throwing downfield. Okay. Because the pick that Baker threw, he was throwing a deep post. So, like, you try to split the cover two, one safety comes over and takes it. When you're throwing five-yard passes, like five air yards, it, the chance of them reading your eyes and making a play, very slim. Mm-hmm. Especially if, like, you're not looking at them when you snap the ball. You at least, you know, take the time and look over to them in that three-step drop when you throw it. Right. So, I don't – in their current offense, I don't think it's a problem – because he has a lot of options. They're spreading it out and let him throw like they did at LSU. But if they switch to a more downfield passing attack, he might have problems. Okay. The, I have a question, though, about Baker. I have a question about Baker. Is Baker the reason that Jarvis Landry is on the missing persons list? Or is Jarvis the reason Jarvis is on the missing persons list? I think Jarvis is because Jarvis came into the season banged up. Okay. So I don't think he's at his best yet okay but watching the game last night that offense looked very vikings-ish from last year and that you run a lot of you know multiple tight ends you have odell beckham out there being the rich man stefan diggs jarvis landry i think is supposed to be adam thielen but i don't know if he's gonna actually be adam thielen right and so there's kyle rudolph austin hooper he did look kyle rudolph-ish last night like you're not gonna get austin hooper from the falcons who was killing people, but I think he'll be an effective part. Like, he will be a better NFL player than fantasy player. This so year. then, yeah, because he was blocking a lot. Why wouldn't you get Atlanta Falcons Austin Hooper? Where's that guy at? It's different route combinations. Like, he's running different routes. He's operating in a different part of the field. Okay. Because, like, although you have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, who are two very fine receivers, it's not Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Okay. And... The other thing you have is, like, he just operates in a different part of the field. Like, he's going to be running a lot of short-to-intermediate routes versus in Atlanta because they ran a lot of three-receiver sets. He's going to be working more of the intermediate to deep range. Okay. Like, you have different receivers. You also have a better quarterback in Atlanta. So, with a better quarterback, he's going to get open in ways that Baker, he can't make those throws. Or at least, since his rookie year, he hasn't shown he can make those throws. Right. Right. Because, like I said, watching the game last night, it looked very last year's Vikings, and I didn't see much of the first game, but it would make sense because the Vikings laid some duds last season too. Right. Where this nothing could get going, and everything for them goes off of the running game. So do you think Baker's ceiling is Kirk Cousins? For fantasy purposes, yes. Okay. I still am a believer, based off of what he did his first year, that he can be a very good quarterback. But, like... Kirk Cousins is the definition of the quarterback that, like, we're buying him because we know what we're getting and we're going to pay $30 million for it Mm -hmm. because that's the market rate for quarterbacks right now. Right. I think Baker can be that in this offense, but I also thought Baker could be a super-duper star coming out of his first year, and then last year he was awful. Granted, he was awful. Odell was hurt the whole season. Jarvis Landry got hurt at the end of the season. They had no line to protect him. This year, they invested in the line. They 
got a healthy Odell back. Jarvis is hurt, but he should be getting better. They added Austin Hooper, so they should be better. Plus, they're in a much more run-centric offense that should be more quarterback-friendly. I just don't know where Baker's confidence is at. And that's a good question. Listen, I just know that Baker's told me that Hulu has live sports. That's the main thing I know from Baker at the moment. He also kicked Amy out of book club. Those are the only things I know of so far with Baker. I don't. I'm, I think the jury is still out. But three years in, the jury's still out. As Baker is good, I guess. So here's the problem with Baker: is he's coming up on the end of like at the end of the season, he will be year three. They're going to have to decide if they're picking up his fifth year option. As a quarterback, you probably want to pick up that option because it's still cheaper than paying the market rate, which is why, like, to draw a parallel with Dak Prescott, he wasn't a first-round pick. There was no fifth-year option. Jerry should have paid him. Jerry did not pay him. Mm -hmm. Now he's playing on the franchise tag. The problem with not paying him is the franchise tag is the top five average salary at that position, which means that's where Dak starts negotiating next year. Right. And – not only does that where Dak starts negotiating next year, but you just got Mahomes got paid. Deshaun Watson just got paid. There's probably a good chance that Lamar Jackson gets paid right. at the end of this offseason because I don't think the Ravens are going to mess around and pick up his option. I think they're just going to pay him. Right. So now that the market has been reset, what do you do with Dak? You got to pay him. So – are you going to gut your team to pay him because the Cowboys overspend on everyone else? Like, should you pay Zeke? Yes. Should you have paid Amari Cooper? I wouldn't. I'm not an Amari Cooper fan. I didn't think Amari Cooper was going to be good last week. He had 10 catches for 81 yards. Yeah, he had 10 catches. He only had 81 yards. Right. So, like, is that a $17 million a year receiver? I don't think he is. I think Michael Gallup is just as good as him. Mm-hmm. You just drafted C.D. Lamb, like – yeah, you could play hardball with Cooper, but you didn't. What they should have done is paid Dak and franchised Amari Cooper, but that's my opinion. So then, with Baker, do you pick up you pick up the fifth year option? But where does his negotiating power begin? It begins with him having a good season, right? Because like you, tough. you pick up the fifth year option because you don't know what you have. If he's who he was last night. He gets Kirk Cousins money, which is not bad, but like the market rate for a quarterback is $30 million. And if you think that the guy is a top 10 quarterback or has the potential to be, unfortunately, you have to pay him $30 million. And that's the baseline. Dak wanted 40, but who do you think are the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Because if he's on that list, you're probably going to have to pay him 40. Is Baker in the top 10? Okay, you go. You Baker is. I don't think Baker is, but I think Dak Mahomes, is. You have Mahomes. You have Deshaun Watson. You have Lamar. You have Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Drew Brees. Yes. Tom Brady. Yes. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Kyler? Question mark? I haven't seen enough to Jury think still that out. he is. Jury's still out. So we're at seven. Yeah. Dak there. So yep. he's in the top ten. Do we have two more? I'm sure we do because, like, you go down the list. Uh, Ryan Tannehill just got paid. 
Is he he, the, he played like a top ten quarterback last so year. So you go Tannehill. Uh, then, is Josh Allen? The jury's still out. The jury's still they're going to have to decide if they're going to pay him soon too. So you keep going down the list. Not Fitz. Not Kirk Cousins. Well, Kirk Cousins get paid like he is. I'll tell you who isn't on that list. Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky's not on the list. <laughs> it's Jimmy G on this list. I don't think Jimmy G's on this list. I don't think he is either. And, like, as a 49er fan, this is where I'm saying you draw the line is I think Kirk Cousins is good enough to win you a Super Bowl is Jimmy G because the playoffs and last week said no. Is Matt Ryan better than Ben Baker? Well, he's definitely a top-ten quarterback that yeah. we forgot about. So there you go. So that's it. And I know that out there – Someone is like yelling at their radio that there's someone we're missing that they think is better than them. But the point is that Baker's not in that list. No. Baker's not in that top 10 list. We came up with 10 guys. Yeah. What, how do you justify paying him anything more than the 30 million, which, which is like the baseline? I mean, if he's a starting quarterback, you have to pay him that much because right. it's the market rate. It, but it's also why it was a joke last year when the Jaguars paid Nick Foles all that money because they had to pay him starting quarterback money to get the respect of the locker room. Right. And then Gardner Minshew took the job. Now, granted, Foles got hurt, but when he came back, he wasn't good. Right. And then Minshew Mania had, had started running wild all over you. Which we're not going to talk about the Jaguars today, but special shout out to Gardner Minshew for lighting up the Colts. Yeah, you know what though? We will be talking about the Jags next week. Yes, when they take on the Dolphins on Thursday. Night. On Thursday night, um, I want to switch gears. Let's talk about the standings. Last week we picked three games. Your boy went three and zero. CJ took a risk. Went two and one. You know, I'm all I'm gonna say is forgot the game was in New England and not in Miami because the Patriots can't beat the Dolphins in Miami for some reason. And Cam looked good. I enjoyed Cam. I enjoyed him. Cam looked good. Cam is a great player to watch. Cam is a great fantasy player. But Cam just, he ran it down their throat. Like Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what Cam can do, though. True, but like 15 carries was, I think, the most in his career. I don't think mm-hmm. he's ever ran 15 times before. I think McDaniel's going to have him running a lot because they don't trust their running backs over there in New England. Well, I also think they're going to have him run a lot because they're paying him for one year and $7 million. And if they... Get their like they already got their seven million dollars worth. Just yeah, by like, I want to get my game. money worth exactly <laughs> out of that. Speaking of, let's do the games of the week. All right, I have the Pets and the Seahawks on this list of games of the week. They play the night game. Yep, on Sunday, Russell Wilson looked amazing. So I think Russell is the second best quarterback in football, obviously behind Patrick Mahomes, who is just on a different planet. Okay, for quarterbacking and. I don't think it's just talent. I think Andy Reid is just a scheme lord. Mm-hmm. But they let Russ cook finally. Right. As Twitter has been screaming from the mountaintops for years, let Russ cook. Let him throw the ball. Don't hand it off 172 times to Chris Carson, who as a stand for Chris Carson in fantasy, please hand it to Chris Carson 172 times. But for Seahawks football, they need to let Russ throw. Russ is always throwing around 500 passes in the season, which is about 30 times per game. If you get him up to 550, which is maybe five more passes per game, I think the Seahawks go from the floor of a 10-win team to now they're competing for a one seed. Right. 
because they need to throw more. And then if you add to that, add to that, you have the run game with either Russ, Russell Wilson, or Chris Carson, right, or CJ Procise, or Rashad Penny. I mean, none of those guys are well. Penny's on the team, but he's hurt. Procise is he on the team anymore? I think he still is. So with with these guys that can run and move the chains, plus, I mean, you have that man DK Metcalf out there catching a like that dude's a he's a man of his boys. He's a grown man. Yeah. So you if you let Russ cook and you add in that run game, the Seahawks, I think, win the NFC West. Well, especially with adding Jamal Adams on that defense, yeah, he shored up a lot of things that they were missing last year. Just as far as pass coverage, because they play that cover three defense. You need a safety out there who's roaming around, disrupting plays. People were able to pick them apart last year. I don't see that being a problem this year. Like, I think their defense will be a lot better. I, the Seahawks were one yard away from winning the NFC West last year and getting the two seed. Yeah. Like, got stopped on the last play of the last game of the season at the one-yard line. And if, you, if they ever have any running back problems, you put a couple Skittles into a machine and Marshawn Lynch comes out. Right. So that's very helpful, too. Right. Right now, they their depth chart looks like you got Chris Carson number one. You have Carlos Hyde, who ran for 1,000 yards on the Texans last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashad Penny, for, former first-round pick, will be coming back. Mm-hmm. And A pack of Skittles yeah. waiting for whenever you need Marshawn Lynch. And Marshawn Lynch is down to get them checks. Yeah, he is. So this week, they play the, pa- the Patriots – the Patriots looked okay last week. They beat the Dolphins. I, like I said, I think um, the Patriots' demise was greatly exaggerated. I think they're going to win that division. I don't think the Bills or the Dolphins have a chance. You have good Josh Allen and you have bad Josh Allen. Like, Josh Allen looked great in spurts against the Jets, but then he also had some boneheaded turnovers. Mm-hmm. And that's the Bills' ceiling is how far Josh Allen can take them. I think they will still win the division because their defense is no joke. But I don't know if they can win the Super Bowl with Josh Allen. I think the Patriots. So you think they still they, they win the division over the Patriots? I think they still win the division. I think the Patriots are going to the playoffs. Okay. I didn't think they were going to the playoffs until they signed Cam. Seeing Cam, seeing Cam healthy. Cam is Superman. Cam, as we talked about last week, Cam took Philly Brown and Ted Ginn Jr. to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. with a 15 and 1 record on the Panthers mm-hmm. with a good defense. The Patriots have a good defense. But their defense isn't great because they had all those dudes sit out. Right. I think that the Patriots will win nine or ten games because they're going to get four wins against the Dolphins and the Jets. They already got one of them this Mm -hmm. season. They're really good. Plus, the only reason that the Patriots don't make the playoffs if they miss is because they play the NFC West this year. And that is a tough division. But – We've added two more playoff spots in this year's playoffs. One in each conference. Yeah. So that opens the door for them to sneak in there. I think they get in, but I think you're like the Chiefs are a lot to make the playoffs as right. long as Mahomes stays healthy. And even if they, he if he misses a little bit of time, they're fine. If he goes down for eight weeks, then the Chiefs might be in trouble. So the Chiefs are making the playoffs. You got the Bills are making the playoffs. Because you have them winning the division. I have them winning division. I think that the Texans will win their division. Okay. Even though they didn't look great, Bill O'Brien is a very good football coach. He is just not a good GM. Before we get into that, who do you have winning this game? Seahawks, Patriots? Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay. I have the Seahawks as well. The reason I wanted to stop you on the Texans 
and talking about the Texans Ravens is because I have them as a game of the week, another game we're going to talk about. We have Deshaun Watson facing off against Lamar Jackson. The Texans didn't look great last week. The Ravens looked like the Ravens, right? Which was fine. I think the I'm just gonna say it right now. I think the Ravens win this game. I think the Ravens win this game too. But do you think the Texans still win their division? We talked about it a little bit last week with the schedule and how I thought the Texans were coming out of the gate slow. Mm-hmm. It basically comes down when I'm looking at the divisions. I think that Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback in the AFC South. And in a division that's close like that, I'm going to pick the quarterback that I think can get their team over the hump. I think the AFC South is going to be a bloodbath, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath in the NFC West of just like must-see games. I think it's going to be a lot of slap fighting. And I think the Texans are going to win that division with like a 9-7 and seven record. Okay. And I think all four teams are going to be in that 6-10 and 10 to 9-7 and seven range. Because like... Everyone was ready to say that the Jaguars were going to be the worst team in the NFL. I think Gardner Minshew is really good. And, and I think DJ Shark's really good. And But I also think Jay Gruden is a very good offensive coordinator. So I don't think they're going to be the worst team. I don't. I think the Panthers will end up being the worst team in the NFL. I think the Jets will be. I don't know if it will be the Jets because Adam Gase is the new Jeff Fisher in that like he somehow wins six to eight games every year. And no one knows how he does it. It's all smoke and mirrors, but they win. And, like, I really believe that the Panthers, who spent all of their draft picks on defense, Mm -hmm. are going to have a hard season figuring it out. So I think the Panthers will be the first overall pick. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be that bad. I also didn't think the Dolphins were going to be that bad last year. Dolphins started off horrible. They ended up winning five games last year. So I think the Jaguars are going to luck in the five or six wins. Like they, I mean, they just beat the Colts, and right. a lot of people were picking the Colts to win the division. And so the Texans, you have the Texans, the Jags, the Colts, and the Titans. And the Titans. You don't think the Titans win the division? I don't. I just think that I, I don't think Ryan Tannehill can do it again. I have six or seven years of Ryan Tannehill being a below average quarterback, mm-hmm. and then I have nine games of him statistically being the second best quarterback in football. I don't think he's that guy. Okay. But I say that for the same, on the other side of the coin, I think Baker Mayfield can be the guy he was as a rookie. We only saw him do it for 13 games. Then we had a horrible season last year. I just, I've seen enough out of Tannehill that I don't buy into the hype. Okay. You, do you think the text, do you think, do you think David Johnson looks okay? I think he looks okay. We talked about it a little bit last week in that. But against that Ravens defense. The Ravens defense is a much better pass defense than run Run defense. defense. I think the way that they get David Johnson going this week is you're going to see a lot of those run pass options. Um, Because you got to use the threat of Deshaun running to screw up the math on the field to create running lanes. If they don't at least pretend Deshaun is going to run – they're not going anywhere offensively because the way that the Ravens shut down the Browns, which granted they're the Browns, who knows? I think that the Texans are going to have similar issues, especially because the Texans ran a lot out of shotgun against the Chiefs. I don't know if they can do the same thing against a very good Ravens defense. 
Okay. We're both picking the Ravens to win. Lamar Jackson's amazing. Yes. I mean, Mark Ingram disappeared a little bit, but J.K. Dobbins is starting to come on. So, so it is what it is. So I wonder, because the Ravens got up so big so soon, if they said, sit down, vet, take this game off, we're going to keep you healthy for the rest of the season, and they just handed J.K. Dobbins the ball. Because you got to remember, J.K. Dobbins came in fourth on the depth chart that coming into the season. Right. So I, yeah, he had, what, seven carries for 20 yards and two touchdowns. So he looked good on the stat sheet. I did, Again, I didn't see that much game of them. Browns, Ravens. Yeah, destroying the Browns. I just wonder if that really was his role or if it was game script that they were just trying to get out of it healthy. Right. That's a good question. The only other game I have on the game of the week, because you know we reviewed, we look at three games, look at, and look ahead. We have Niners, Jets. Um, the Niners looked invisible on Sunday. They started off really good, but full disclosure, the 49ers are my favorite team. I'm ride or die Niner fan. They looked good at the beginning, but it was, they drove down the field for a field goal. They dumped one off to Raheem Mostert who ran 70 plus yards to the house. Mm -hmm. In fact, he hit the fastest speed by a player in four years. When they have and the ball he in his took hands. the end of that playoff. He like trotted in. Right. But at one point, he hit 22.7 miles per hour. He was speeding in a school zone mm-hmm, mm-hmm, as he mm-hmm. ran with the ball. The Niners' biggest problem right now is everyone is hurt. So, Oh, I thought the biggest problem was Jimmy Garoppolo. Go ahead. That's the second biggest problem, okay. which we can talk about him in a minute. But Debo Samuel got put on IR. Yep. Now they so three-week IR, luckily. Yes, that's what I was going to bring up. Was they updated the IR for this season that when you go on IR, you can come back after three weeks. One of the things they also did is once you're activated from IR, you have to be put back on the active roster within, I believe, two or three weeks. I'm not sure the exact. But if you don't get put back on the active roster, you, they have to cut you. They can't put you back on IR. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you might see dudes who they think are good and then they're not good. And then they either got to carry them the rest of the year or they're going to hit free agency. So that's an interesting wrinkle that they didn't talk about a lot coming in the season. But you had Debo out. You had Brandon Ayuk, their first-round pick, mm-hmm. out. And that was a game-time decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kittle sprained his knee in the second quarter. Yep. So he wasn't running routes in the second half. So now you're out there. You have Ross Dwelly, their backup tight end. Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick who? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You had Trent Taylor, who was out all of last year with the torn <laughs> ACL. Um, Jalen Hurd didn't play because he tore his ACL after missing all of last year. Yeah, he he's out another season, right? Yes. Um, Dante Pettis, who Kyle Shanahan can't get rid of for whatever reason, but he doesn't like him. Right. Um, and Richie James didn't even play. And that was their fourth receiver who was doing kick returns. Uh, Tevin Coleman barely played because he has sickle cell and the air quality was so bad they didn't want to aggravate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had Jared Jerry McKinnon, McKinnon, though, looked great. First time in two years he's yeah. back. He looked a lot better than I thought he would, but when all you can do is really dump it off to your running backs in the second half because you don't trust any of your other receivers, you're going to have issues. And the other problem they had, they couldn't stop Kyler. Kyler was scrambling all over the place, yeah. and apparently they forgot how to cover DeAndre Hopkins because he had 16 targets and 14 catches for 150 Well, they yards. realized that Kyler didn't look like Deshaun Watson, so they were confused what DeAndre Hopkins was doing there, like so many of us when that trade happened. I think so. they were like, Larry Fitzgerald has killed us for the last 27 years. Let's stop him. So let's 
focus our game plan on stopping him, this new guy, this Hopkins guy, who knows who he <laughs> no, is. what he could do. Yeah, and they didn't cover him. But I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game. I don't know if Richard Sherman was on him, but he went on IR this yeah, week with IR the calf week. injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure Sherman's saying, well, that's why he went off. Now I just got to go on IR so that I can keep talking because I can just say I was hurt, and that's why he lit me up. <laughs> but everyone is hurt on the 49ers. And they had really good health last year. So I'm, as a 49er fan, I'm nervous because if they don't get healthy, this division is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Uh, Second thing, though, Jimmy Garoppolo, not good. So he, it is very apparent that Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust him. And because there's very little dead money on his contract, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last year he's on the 49ers. Interesting. Now, see, okay, I am not a 49ers fan, um, but I'm also not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I think that he's overrated. I think there's much to do about nothing. I don't think he has a lot of great talent, but that is just me and the optics that I've seen. I think he's a, he's a game manager. He's not out here to try to win you any games. He's just His job is just to try to not lose them. So you say that, but you know who else I think is a game manager? It's Kirk Cousins, and he makes $30 million a year. True. And I think that could be like Jimmy I think Garoppolo. Kirk Cousins throws better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy gets paid to be a starting quarterback, yeah. and he killed them at the end of the game when he missed. He underthrew um, a ball into the end zone that would have been caught for a touchdown by uh I believe it was Ken or it was Trent Taylor. He missed him. So and granted Trent Taylor could have jumped up into the DB, drew a pass interference flag, he would have got the ball at the one yard line, you punch it in, go right. home happy. You also miss Trent Taylor on an out later on that drive on fourth and five, because he threw it behind him on an out. The DB was able to break it up. If you leave the receiver, you will stop or you leave the receiver, he catches it, he gets the first down. Now, we could say, well, he didn't have all of his weapons, so whatever. At the end of the day, you still got to be able to make the throws, and they have taken the ball out of his hands the last four games they've played. The times he had to make big-time throws, he missed both in this game, and he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl. If Emmanuel Sanders catches that ball, the 49ers won the Super Bowl last year. Like, you're showing that you're losing confidence in this quarterback, and when he has an opportunity to step up to get some of that confidence back, he is not doing it. In fact, he's not doing it. Who knows how long they're going to keep him? Right. Because the question becomes, most teams are afraid to do this, but do you think this dude can win you the Super Bowl? Because if the answer the is no. The answer proven to be no. If the answer is no, why are you keeping him? Right. A lot of times front offices keep quarterbacks because they say – we know what we got. Well, if you know what you got, can't win you the Super Bowl, why are you keeping that dude? Right. Because there really are only maybe 10 quarterbacks that can win you the Super Bowl. I'm going to pay those 10. I'm not paying the rest. But there's so much uncertainty in the position. You don't want to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and then get somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because when the quarterback carousel stops – that's the best available. Right. And, and you know, I don't think he's played for that team yet, but he's probably going to be down. Uh, he's trying to collect every jersey. I would too, man. It's a nice thing to do. And he has your name on the back on yep. all of them. Ryan Fitzpatrick. So the Jets, 
are hurt too. Le- uh, Le'Veon Bell went down with an injury. James Crowder, I believe, is already out this next game. I think he got ruled out earlier today. Yes. I mean, Adam Gase is upset that he let Le'Veon Bell get hurt and then put him back in the game. Yeah. But I think he low-key was like, I'm going to hope he gets more hurt so yeah, I don't got to play him because yeah. I don't want him. It's an interesting thing. Sam Donald's doing the best he can. I don't really have much to say about the Jets, but I do have this to say. I'm taking them to beat the Niners. Oh, no, I'm taking the Niners. I know you're taking the Niners. I'm taking the Jets. I think even with the Niners being as banged up as they are, the Jets are just efficient and will continue to be so as long as Adam Gase is their coach. I I don't disagree with you. I think Adam Gase gets fired after this season. I don't because for some reason he keeps his job for an extended period of time in Miami and then immediately got this job without having to, you know, work for it or earn anything. Like the dude had a losing record when he came to the Jets and still got a second job. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to keep him for at least another year unless Sam Darnold looks like a tire fire. And Sam Darnold looked fine. Right. Wasn't good. Wasn't bad. But you don't have to make that financial decision on him today. Okay, so you're picking the Niners. I'm picking the Jets. We'll see how this week goes. Right now, you're I'm three and zero. Oh, you're two and two and one. We'll see how this looks. Switching gears, let's talk basketball. Bubble basketball. We're approaching the NBA Finals. We're in the conference finals right now. We have the Heat versus the Celtics. The Lakers playing the Nuggets. We're going to talk about that game in a minute and the fact that. The Clippers are not playing the Lakers, yet they were up 3-1 in the series. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk about the Heat and the Celtics. The Heat are up 2-0. Last night, they outscored the Celtics by 20 points in the third quarter to take the lead and to eventually take the game with a score of 106-101. to I can't get over the Heat. Like, is it the home court advantage of being in Florida? They had to travel the... Well, the second least far because the, the Magic are out. But what is going on? It is the fact that country music super fan Jimmy Butler is out there getting that work in. Like, we were all making fun of Jimmy Butler when he forced his way out of Philadelphia. He obviously made the right choice. We were all making fun of Jimmy Butler when he forced his way out of Minnesota. He obviously made the right choice. Now, he's... The well, superstar he, that he he always knew he, he was. He forgot about when he forced his way out of Chicago. He did force his way out of Chicago. <laughs> but, I mean, everybody he, forced their way out of Chicago at one point or another. Yeah. He's a superstar that he always knew he could be. Right. Though he had 14 points yesterday, his defense is stifling. You add in there Bam Adebayo and the resurgence of Goran Dragic. This team is... I think they're going to be playing in the NBA Finals. They're, you forget, you're getting key minutes out of Tyler Hero. Yes. actually playing like a hero. Yes. The hero, Tyler Hero. Yep. Like, I don't know where this came from. They were uh, they were in also-ran most of the season. As in, like, we knew they were good, but they weren't getting to the Finals. Mm-hmm. And now they destroyed the Bucks. Yes. And now they're tearing through... The Celtics were the two teams everybody thought were going to the finals. Right. Right. From the East. Yes. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by Miami. I'm impressed a lot. 
I like Boston too. I think Kimba is amazing. Tatum, phenomenal. I thought Boston, Boston was my pick at the beginning of the season to make it out of the East. Mm-hmm. I think they're very good. Looking at the game last night, Brad Stevens rode those starters real hard. And he's got to figure out something with his bench to get, you know, some kind of production because when it was just the starters versus the heat, he killed them. So the bench combined yesterday for the Celtics for 16 points. Exactly. 16 points off the bench is not going to get the job done. And the only scorer they really have on their bench is Ennis Cantor, who can't play a lick of defense. No. And he had nine of those points. Yeah. He had but nine of those points. He's a liability when he's on the floor because he is that bad defensively. Yeah. The Celtics are going to have to figure something out. Like, they're battling. These games are close, but they can't seal the deal. Right. And I did not see that coming, but I also didn't see it coming with the Bucks. Yeah, with the Heat. So, do you? How many games is it, it going to take for the Heat to win the series? Based on the first two games, five. Yeah, I have them in six. I have them in six. I think I think Boston gets two wins in there, but Jimmy's cooking, man. Jimmy's cooking. Bam out of bio. That block with his that yeah. he got on Jason Tatum. When people were trying to say it was the best block in NBA playoff history, I was like. Y'all need to put some respect on LeBron's name when he blocked Andre Iguodala. Yeah, that, that I still was, have nightmares of that block. Oh, Andre Iguodala was in this series too. So yeah, you let's just ask him which one was better. Yeah, and I'm sure you. he'll let you know. Yeah, the Heat. I think the Heat went in six. I'm really excited about it. I want to talk more next week. We're going to do a lot more in depth talk about the NBA Finals uh, matchup and what those teams look like as we get there. Because we'll by then we should have someone from the East. And we should be on the way to having someone from the West. If not, I do want to talk about the fact that the Lakers are playing the Denver Nuggets. So you say we should be able to have a preview next week. But if the Lakers are up 3-1 on the Nuggets, I'm not ready to have a preview. No lead is safe <laughs> against those Nuggets, man. They've, they've won two seven-game series. Coming back. Gutting it out. Coming back from a 3-1 deficit. Yeah. Yeah, they've done it twice. Jamal Murray. Obviously, he obviously listened to the podcast. Question. Should we be talking about Jamal Murray or should we be talking about, I know he wants us to put some respect on his name, but should we be talking about the collapse of the Clippers? What I will say about the collapse of the Clippers is it was very telling that the Clippers talked about how they had no chemistry. Yeah. Like publicly as a team, they basically came out and said, yeah, we won a lot of games. We don't really like each other. I didn't hear that they didn't like each other. I heard that they don't know each other. See, I took it. When you talk about chemistry, they spent enough time together this season that I would assume they know each other. If you're lacking chemistry, I think there's some personal strife, no pun intended, on the podcast between that team. That's a, that's a, that's a good qu- point. That's a good possibility. Because you take a team that was fully formed – and then you add in two guys who are now the guys. Right. And you're saying – you're adding these two guys in and say, by the way, they're they're now in charge. It's like if you're at a job, right, and you had a team that's been working forever for a long time, then you bring in a new boss and a new assistant. I'm just supposed to listen to these dudes? And what I really wonder is what is the relationship of Kawhi and Paul George? Because 
Kawhi said, you have to get him for me to come. Then he comes. They were winning games, but everyone said they were underachieving all season. Then you get in the bubble and playoff Paul shows up, which has been a joke on Twitter for weeks now. But Paul talked about how he was having issues in the bubble. He was dealing with depression. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's having personal issues with Kawhi that just aren't out in the open and he's regretting the decision of forcing his way out of Oklahoma City. Because speaking to that, Paul George famously, if anyone's paying attention, said that he stayed in Oklahoma City because he wanted to stay with his good buddy, Russell Westbrook. Right. And though Russ gets a lot of flack for his play, Russ is a good friend. And I say that because James Harden wanted him to come to town and play with him. Mm-hmm. Paul George stayed in town to play with them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he has good relationships with these other players other than Kevin Durant. But as we're finding out, we, that has a lot to do with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I'm, I would have placed the blame on Russ leaving uh, or with Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City. But... Kevin Durant seems to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, and that's you know I don't want I don't want any burner accounts talking about us, so I don't <laughs> want anyone coming for me. So we think Kevin Durant is still an amazing player, so don't come for us, please. But Russell Westbrook seems to have these good relationships, so the good question is: Is Paul George regret, regretting leaving to come join Kawhi in LA? And the biggest thing is. Both Paul, George, and Kawhi can opt out after this upcoming season. Mm -hmm. So the Clippers sold the farm. They don't have a first-round pick until 2028 like that they own the rights to. They may lose this team at the end of the next season. Yeah. Like Kawhi might decide, I want to go somewhere else where I'm happy. Paul George might be like, I can't deal with this stress. He might want to go play somewhere where he thinks he'll be happy. How much, like, what is going on with this Clippers team, and how are they going to fix it? What happens when Paul George goes and joins his two best friends in Houston? What ha- I don't think he does now. They don't have any money. They don't. They, they don't. Well, they don't have any money. They also don't have um, Mike D'Antoni because he left. Yeah, and I don't think any other coach is going to try to figure it out with the three of them. Mm-hmm. Let alone, he's already got to figure it out with Harden and Westbrook. Whoever right. takes that job, that's true. That's true. Who do you think becomes a new coach there? I think they're going to be looking for someone established. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if they make a hard right or a hard run at Jay Wright out of Villanova, mm-hmm. but I don't think Jay Wright's leaving Villanova. I think you're going to get a return of someone like a Mark Jackson or a former players coach, maybe a Ty Lu, someone that has a lot of respect from the players. I don't think they're going to be going with the first time coach stepping into it. I think you're probably going to get a former player um, or a coach of great renown coming in and guiding the ship. Okay. And similar to the Clippers, I think doc is safe. Unless the players say, we want Doc out. We want Doc. And I don't think that happens because. I don't think the players. I think Kawhi. I think Kawhi too because they sold the farm to get Kawhi. Yeah. But Kawhi says he wants Doc, then Doc stays. If he says, I don't want Doc, then Doc goes. But Doc has a lot of respect for the players. If the Clippers dump Doc, I can see Houston being a logical landing point. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree, and that's that's where he would go. So I think Houston might Maury might wait to figure out what happens with the rest of the landscape and how it shakes out. See right. if any good coaches get fired, they can bring them in. So I have the Lakers to win the series against Denver, but we'll see what happens. I have the Lakers to win the series against Denver unless they get a 3-1 lead. And then who knows what can happen. Then I got the Nuggets in seven. So uh, Lakers-Miami is is my expectation of the finals. Yours is probably Lakers-Miami. Oh, it's going to be Lakers without being facetious. Realistically, I think it's Lakers in six. And we will definitely talk about that in depth next week. I do want to talk about some WNBA basketball. The Wubble, as it's been called, has the Las Vegas Aces as the one seed in their third year of existence. They came out, they transferred here from San Antonio, Mm -hmm. and then they bought all the talent. Mm -hmm. They used free agency, they recruited, they used their players' connections. It looked like the Heat. From LeBron era heat where they're like, we're just going to go get the best players. And this year they steamrolled through the WNBA like the LeBron era. This year they, and they did it without Cam Beige. They did it without Kelsey Plum. Kelsey Plum's out with injury. Cam Beige um, has a condition that, so she didn't want to expose herself Mm -hmm. to be in the bubble. Asia Wilson, the, the WNBA this year, the WNBA MVP, she has killed it. Killed it. She got like 46 of the votes or something like that. She was almost unanimous. Uh-huh. Amazing. She's phenomenal. She's really stepped up and has taken this team to the next level. You add in you add in Kayla McBride. Mm-hmm. You bring in you have the uh Hamby, the Erica Hamby coming off the bench along with Jackie Young. And don't get me started on Angel McCultry. She is a multi-time WNBA champion with her being added to the team this offseason. The Aces are looking poised to win this thing. Now, I know a lot of people are picking the Storm to win. Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, they are hurt, but they're amazing. Don't get me wrong. I see that. But I love this Aces team. I'm not a big fan of the WNBA or women's basketball in general. I'll say it. This isn't supposed to be a controversial take. I just, it looks very similar to NCAA basketball, which I'm also not really a fan of because of the lack of spacing. I'm a big fan of the spacing in the NBA that you don't really get in the WNBA. With that said, these this Aces team makes me want to watch WNBA basketball because they are good and they are exciting. Mm-hmm. They are very good. This Sunday, they will be taking on the Connecticut Sun in the best of five series, whereas the Lynx will be Lynx without Maya Moore will be facing the Seattle Storm this weekend to have the two best teams meet in the finals. And so I'm looking forward to see, talking about WNBA finals as well. Come next week, we're gonna do like a, a like a big basketball talk next week. Yup. I want to talk about the baseball. We got the baseball. Dodgers already going to the playoffs. Yeah. You got the White Sox also already going to the playoffs. I don't want to talk about teams right now. I want to talk about the fact that they finally got their act together and they're going to have a multi-city bubble so that way everyone stays safe. So they're the only sport 
that has come back and hasn't done some form of the bubble, and they're the only sport before football. Well, before football, but even football, not having issues with COVID. Baseball is the only sport repeatedly having issues with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, the Cardinals had played twelve games, and everybody else was around thirty. Mm-hmm. Like they needed to figure it out. I am very happy they've decided they're going to put the players in a bubble for the playoffs so that we will actually get a World Series champion after the 60-game season. So the bubble will be, I know one location is Los Angeles. Another one is... Arlington, Texas. Mm-hmm. You're going to have one in San Diego. And the fourth one, I believe, will be in Houston at Minute Maid Park. Okay, so the bubbles will be all spread out, but that way they can get all the games in. I One thing that I really enjoyed about the, the NBA bubble was the fact that you had games all day. Right. I thought that was cool. And I hope we could kind of figure out a way to do that regularly. I wish. So the reason why they're doing four sites for the bubble is they're going to try to eliminate the problem they had in the hockey bubble, where when games went to overtime, you had other games getting pushed around, moved, Mm -hmm. postponed to the next day because of length of games. Right. So you want to have as many sites as possible to help eliminate that issue. You want to have as many sites as possible, but not too many sites where everybody's playing at home. Right. Like, you want to keep the players separated still. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited that they're doing this bubble and that they are going to keep the players safe and keep the fans entertained. And that way you will be able to get baseball on the regular with no problems. I, I just don't know why it took them so long to decide to do a bubble situation. Since they were doing the shortened season anyway, why don't you do like eight bubbles, you know? So the reason they didn't want to do a bunch of bubbles is the players wanted all the amenities of the major league parks. Mm-hmm. So, like, you had a team like the Blue Jays who got told, you can't play in Canada. So they're like, well, we want to play in Pittsburgh so that we can have major league facilities. And Pittsburgh was like, no, you can't come here. So now they're playing somewhere else. They have to figure it out. You don't have enough parks to keep the bubble going. But realistically, they could have done three bubbles. They could have did a bubble in New York for the East teams because they have two stadiums there. You could have did a bubble in Cal- Texas. In Texas, yep. Because you have the two stadiums there. The Rangers there. and the, the Astros. And you could have did a bubble in Southern California. You, you, could, have, you could have an there. expanded bubble in Southern California. Yeah. Because it's a two-hour drive from... Orange County to San Diego. So you could have did the two San Diego, the San Diego park and the two parks in LA mm-hmm. with the angels and with the Dodgers. Cause with the divisions, you're only at most, you're playing five games in a day. Mm-hmm. So you start baseball at nine o'clock Pacific, which yeah, that's early, but you can play a game at nine. You can play a game at two and you can play a game at seven. Yeah. But they didn't want to do that. They all wanted to use their own parks so that the players could stay at home, which increases your exposure risk. And unlike football, where they're only traveling once a week, baseball players tend to be more social because it's not such a high-impact game. It's not so. High, it's not very grueling. No, it's not. So a lot of those baseball players, like as you saw, were going out testing positive. You had the stand with the Indians where you had a couple players go out and party after a game. The rest of the team calls a meeting and says, we will not play if these two dudes are on the team. Yeah. You don't see that in any other sports. Hockey and basketball, they're in a bubble. 
football. You had the one issue with the Seahawks player who tried to sneak a woman in by saying that she was a player, which I I really hope she wasn't as big as a linebacker. (laughs) But he got cut immediately, and that was the last we heard about issues with the football bubble. And they don't even have a bubble. They have 32 mini bubbles, one for each team, and those dudes are still going home. But for some reason, baseball players can't figure it out. Which is just really weird and kind of disappointing. But I'm glad we have the bubble so we get some playoff baseball. We're going to get a World Series champ. Fingers crossed the Dodgers. I hope you're rooting with me for the Dodgers. Or CJ, the Giants. You want to talk about some big brother? Giants are going to be playoffs. Well, they might make it. No, let's talk about some big brother. Big brother. This week, it was a crazy week. It was very crazy, even from the beginning of the week when you got... So Danny ended up being the HOH. But only because Nicole and Cody decided to throw the HOH contest Yes, at the end. At the very end. <laughs> so Dan, Danny Donato ends up becoming the HOH. Danny Briones, whatever you want to call Um, Same person. She got married. So Danny's the HOH. She goes to put up Kevin as a pawn. And David, but wait, David has the power to disrupt it. Which no one knows. Which no one knew about. So he cannot go on the block and he cannot be arena. So Danny panics and puts up Tyler. Who happens to be in two alliances with her. Which is insane. But Danny has not been playing the greatest game, but this is something that she did. She puts up Tyler. So Tyler's on the block against Kevin. Davon Queen wins her first veto. And how many times has she played the game? Three times. <laughs> and this is her first competition win ever. She did so well in the challenge. She, she should be doing better. <laughs> so Davon wins the veto. Danny and Nicole did their best to try to convince her to not use it. Doesn't work. She takes her best friend in the house, Kevin, down from the block. And Danny puts up Ian. Now, Danny was upset that Davon decided to use the veto because she didn't want to put someone else up. She's already nominated three people at this point. I understand that logic. Danny, you got to get blood on your hands when you're loosely allied with 11 people in the house. Yeah, and there's like 13. Like, yeah. <laughs> and one of them used the power to stop you from putting them up on the block. Exactly. So there's nothing you could really do. Danny, Danny did what she could. She tried to keep Ian at first, but she couldn't really do it. It was a lot of going back and forth. Thus, Ian did go home in a vote of five to three. Kevin, Davon, and David all voted out Tyler, but Tyler got to stay. We have a new HOH. I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to say anything, but we'll see how this next week goes. It's just... This loose alliance of the Slick Six and the committee have been running the house since the beginning of the game. Yes. Danny, being a part of both alliances, is sitting here saying, well, I can't vote out this person, or I can't put up this person, I can't put up this person. So many people on the list. The only people she didn't have a tie to at the beginning of this week were Ian, David, and she has a tie to Davon now. She has a tie to Devon. She has a tie to Kevin. And Kevin. She has a tie to Kevin in real life. Yeah. She has a tie to Devon. She's allied out. She's allied with everyone. She had a tie to Tyler. Tyler's yeah. in these groups. 
It was just David. David was her, That's why David was her target. Kevin mm-hmm. was supposed to be the pawn in this scheme. But if Kevin goes home, so be it. But that's why Davon smartly took Kevin down. So what I don't understand is Danny is sitting here crying because she's like, I can't put up this person. I can't put up this person. I don't understand why she was so anti-putting up Ian when she legit has two alliances and coverage by eight other people. The reason she was anti-putting up Ian is because Nicole was anti-putting up Ian. Nicole and Ian, very close. Nicole wanted to keep Ian safe because they're the only two winners. And Nicole feels like that she is going to be vulnerable with Ian gone. Because Ian was another winner, so she could hide behind that. And she knew that if they were on the block together, Ian would go home over her. Right. Which is true because of the alliances of the Slick Six and the committee. Mind you, the Slick Six that she was not in, Nicole was not in. No. Yet knows everything about because Danny has told her. Right. So that's why she wanted Ian to stay in the house. And that's why Danny was very upset about having to put up Ian. But she's running out of options. When you ally with everyone, eventually you're going to have to cut somebody. Unless you don't win HOH. Which... I don't think Nicole's ever going to win an HOH. Nicole's not really great at competitions, but she's very likable within the house. So because people like her, I think she's not a target until you get down to six or so. Because now you're looking at who's going to vote to give me a half million dollars. They're all going to give her a half million dollars because they like her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like you can make the argument of, well, you should pick me over her if I take her to the final two because I did X, Y, Z, and she was just riding my coattails. But you might have a bitter jury who says, well, you cut me and you didn't have to. I don't think that Nicole could win, though, because I don't think Nicole's the player you would want to call the first two-time winner by those other all-stars. Now, I don't think they would have thought the same about Sandra Diaz-Twine and Survivor, but they hated Russell pants so much and they did not want to vote for poverty shallow either so i think that's how sandra won out i was shocked when sandra won that second time yeah and heroes versus villains but i don't think there's anyone that's so dislikable to like a russell hance level that they wouldn't vote for except for david but i don't think nicole would bring david to the end I think Nicole would be loyal to her alliance. And if David was in that position, I think anyone who takes David is sweeping the vote. Correct. But I don't think Nicole would take David down to the end to get that done. Because that's the only way I see Nicole friends of winning this game is if she's sitting next to David. Unless she makes a power move. I think Nicole, if she makes it to the final four, she can win the game if she wins HOH and the veto and then turns around and wins it again at three. Competition wins are not as important as the social strategy in the game like Big Brother. True, but she can cut the heads off at that point to say, I made these power moves at the end. I know that they helped me get here, but I also made a calculated decision. So that was best for my game. I think she has the narrative at that point to win, but I think you're 100% right. That as things stand now, she's only winning against David. And 
No one wants to take David to the final two and be stuck in the house with him alone, even <laughs> if it's only for an hour. Yeah, it's true. Or even the final three and be stuck with him for three days. Yeah. No one wants to do that because David's all over the place. So this week, who knows? Who, we don't know the HOH yet by the airtime. I know I watch the feed, so I know who the HOH is. But we'll see what happens this week in the nominations, and we'll give you a recap next week. CJ, we're coming to the end of this thing. Is there anything else you want to talk about? So this week, I would like to talk about WNBA legend Maya Moore. Mm-hmm. I say legend because she hasn't played for the last two years. A couple of years ago, she decided she was going to take some time off the WNBA, said she was going to pursue social justice matters and items in the ministry that were important to her. And everyone had a lot of respect for that. But this was... Michael Jordan walking away at the top of his game, mm-hmm. like level. Obviously, people don't have the same exposure to the WNBA, but she was a four-time WNBA champion in eight seasons. She won two national titles at UConn. She's a legend. She's a top 10 WNBA player, if not top five, if not top two. And I wouldn't say top 10 WNBA player. I say top 10 basketball, basketball player. player. Yeah. She's that good. So she walked away, and she gets involved with the case of Jonathan Irons, who was someone who went to jail um, and claimed he was innocent. innocent. He got he went to jail when he was 16 in 1998 mm-hmm. and got charged for 50 years for armed robbery and um, assault. When he was convicted, he, the police produced a confession or said he confessed. There was no written confession. There was no weapon recovered from the robbery. There were no fingerprints of his. Yet with all this circumstantial evidence, they still convicted him. She got involved with him because her uncle worked in the prison that Jonathan was in. And was asked to stand in for his father because Jonathan never knew his father. That's how they became close. Maya Moore comes into the picture when she's a senior in high school. And meets him then. Goes off to UConn. Continues on to the WNBA in Minnesota. And over time, she takes up his case. She has put money into his defense. She went to his court dates, would fly across the country to be in the courtroom for five minutes with him. She lobbied and helped and he won his innocence this summer. The case was thrown out. He was freed this summer and then she married him. Now we love love here on this show. We are big fans of the bachelor. Mm -hmm. We'll be talking about the bachelorette in a couple weeks. One of the best competition shows out there. Yeah. We're ready to talk about Claire, but my question is, at the time when Maya Moore walked away from the game, we were talking about her the same way we talked about Kat. She was giving up the game to pursue a higher purpose, and we were all here for it. I'm still all here for it, even though it turns out that it looks like she did it for love and not just social justice. She's always spoken out on social justice causes. She's always been a proponent of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. But the question now is, do you view her departure differently because she married the dude she fought so hard to get free? I don't. 
and I don't either. I don't feel like that has anything to do with it because I feel like while you're working on the case, you can just naturally become closer, right? You're working with each other. I, I watched um, Just Mercy, mm-hmm. and in that film, a man was wrongfully accused of the murder of uh, some woman, I believe. Yes. And I, that guy that was acquitted ended up working with that defense team for the rest of his life to get other people free. Right. And the reason that happened is because you, be, you grow close as you work together. I think Maya Moore and, and Jonathan's situation, they just got closer. They definitely got closer, but it it's very much a, as Tammy Wynette said, stand by your man. She did it. Mm-hmm. And she put everything on the line to get him out. Now that she has him out, does she go back to basketball? I think, I think you're diminishing it by saying she put everything on the line. She put her basketball career on the line. This is that so is much bigger. And she has used her celebrity for the cause on several occasions outside of getting him out. Yeah. But as we've seen with Kaepernick, it's very bad for your career to take a stand for something. And props to her because she took a stand for something. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I don't view this under a different prism now that she has married him. But the public might. Yeah. I don't think this at all marginalizes what she does because I believe she will continue to do the work. But are we going to get Jordan coming back and wearing 45? Yeah, my Moore is going to change her number. She's going to show up on the <laughs> Lynx court. She's going to show up at practice first. And then she's going to – well, it depends on who tells the story, I guess. But she's going to show up at practice, then decide she wants to play, and then there, she, then there she is. Do you think she makes a space jam before that? I think she might be in Space Jam too. Really? I think she might be. I think there's. I know there is a WNBA player in Space Jam too. Um, it might be her. It might be someone else. I. I mean, or did she already make it when she was in the Uncle Drew movie? I think that was her. Space that Jam. was her Space Jam. <laughs> Which. Uncle Drew, Drew movie, underrated gem. Is it? Yes. It's very funny. It, okay. But I, you got to be into basketball. It's very funny though, huh? Yeah. I'm about to check it out. I'm about to check, check it out. Diana Taurasi, the, the two, um, I, I can't say that. I don't want to butcher their names. <laughs> the, the, they're on the W, they're on the Sparks. Yeah. They're sisters. I'm not even going to try to say that. But they are on the team. They're in so the movie. It's, well. it's a full 12-man roster this time, not just five. We have Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, Kyle Kuzma. Three how, Lakers. How did Kyle three, Kuzma make the movie? Three Lakers. Because they're in L.A. LeBron held a part of the deal. LeBron said we're Is not. Is Kyle <laughs> Kuzma the Sean Bradley of this movie? No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the guy. And then uh, Dinah Tarazi. And then the Ugwukmike sisters. I, I, I'm so sorry. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I'm so sorry for ruining their names. I'm so sorry. They're Nigerian. Um, I'm even looking at the pronunciation. I couldn't say it. Um, <laughs> but they are in the movie. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be good to go. That's that movie. That's my amour. 
CJ, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Thank you for talking about it. And it's been a great talk about sports. And Big Brother, CJ, have anything you want to plug? At this time, no. But look for me coming up soon on the Top 5 Go podcast because I have some opinions. Yes. Um, definitely check out the Top 5 Go podcast as well as the um, DCOM After Dark podcast. Both podcasts found exclusively on the Theory Podcast Network. You can find the Theory Podcast Network feed in your Apple iTunes or Spotify listings. You can find us on YouTube. Like, rate, five stars. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Strife Pod, both on Twitter and at on Instagram. Get involved. Talk to us. All these good things. CJ, you got anything else? Have a good weekend. Yeah. Bye.